0: Welcome everybody to the Shop Notes podcast, a weekly woodworking podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, and I'm joined today by my Husky helpers, John Doyle and Logan Whitmer. Today's episode is entitled, What Grinds Your Chisels? Our annual summer curmudgeon episode. So you'll want to stay tuned for this one.
1: This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at Woodsmith.com. You had to drop Husky Helpers as soon as I (laughs) take a drink of soda because that almost went all over.
2: (laughs) Can't lose another keyboard. (laughs)
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I'm I'm through my keyboard quota for this year. My first one was lost to a a drip of guacamole that ruined the Mac keyboard. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, I just, uh, for those of you who weren't inside our weekly chat that we were doing, was um, Logan had brought up the term husky, which reminded me of some little construction figures that I had when I was a kid. Um, they were like, I think we said my brother had a dump truck and a cement mixer and we had like a front end loader and the little brawny construction guys that came with it were called Husky helpers.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Humongous, like 1920s mustaches and that kind of thing. So pretty amazing. Cool story. Yeah. Yeah. little... Little throwback there to the late 70s and early 80s. You didn't, that was kind of, I guess that was still a little after or before your time, huh?
2: Who? John. No, I was born in 79. I remember. I remember the Husky Helpers. Okay. It's before Logan's time, but.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. ask me what I was doing in the 70s 70s. and 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, ask me, Phil.
0: to 70s uh, and, and 80s. You were there for part of the 80s. The 80s.
2: years
0: of it, dang right. Yeah.
2: The but best one, sure. the best two years. Yeah,
0: yep. we finally figured it out by that point. Yeah. Just in time to change it. Yep. So, all right. So, here's the topic of the day is, what is it, I mean, like we... The three of us, we can agree on the fact that we enjoy woodworking Mm -hmm. in spite of the anxiety that it can sometimes cause. Especially when cameras are rolling, frankly, when Mm -hmm. you're (laughs) bound to cut the angled dado on the wrong side of the piece or.
2: Yes.
1: uh, Cut doesn't go back together how it did when there was no glue on it.
0: Right. The stopped groove gets cut in Between where the stopped groove should normally be, that kind of thing. So, yep, but there's also, I'm sure, parts of woodworking that just kind of irritate you, and maybe it's also, yeah, this parts of woodworking that can be irritating or maddening.
2: Okay, Let's put it at that. I'll tell you what, my Wood- number woodwork. one is yeah, if we're gonna, if we're airing grievances, yeah, it's, it's miters. It's, it's miters. I don't like them. Not a fan. Because you can't cut them right, and then even when you do, they eventually open up. They don't stay right. Sure. So that's number one on my list. I don't like miters. Okay. I'm putting it out there.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm put miters on blast. <laughs> I'm going to step in line behind you on that one yeah. because... We've written all kinds of articles on cutting perfect miters, whether they're flat miters or box miters or whatever. And, you know, the cover blurb kind of writes itself, you know, master the miter or
1: mm-hmm.
0: whatever. But, but you're right. I think the part that gets me is no matter what tool you're using to cut miters, it's like you set the tool for whatever for your 45 degree miter make a test cut and then spend the next hour and 45 minutes making sure that it really is 45 degrees
2: great and then you get the first miter figured out and then it doesn't work for the next one and so on and so forth and it's just it's hard okay yeah. i'm just gonna say it yeah so. well
0: we did that uh, uh i don't know if it's is it the current issue the Uh, candle lanterns where they're solid pieces of wood with a cutout joined by miters. Um, In the magazine, we showed cutting them with the table saw. No, actually at the router table using a chamfer bit. And ordinarily I like doing that with thinner pieces because you have, you know, like it's a chamfer bit, 45 degrees, but uh, we did it for uh, video edition. Our, woodworking essentials video product and when i was cutting them i did the same method used a template uh and a chamfer bit and had smooth crisp looking miters but when i went to assemble that it wasn't entirely tight it was Mm -hmm. it took a little bit of a little bit of fitting
2: yep then you just turned to the old uh uh, shaft of a screwdriver burnishing method and <laughs> mush down the the corners yeah. and fill it with glue. Right.
0: Although so. thankfully, and I don't know if it was because the pieces were tapered and mitered, if that starts to throw things off. Yeah. Or whatever. Thankfully, I had the outside corners fit tight or closed, and it was the inside where there were openings. So, hmm. I and mean, you just put more glue in there and then you just yep. call it good. Logan, where do you stand on miters?
1: I hate miters. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so, I find personally, I find doing large miters tends to be easier than smaller miters. So, the pork table I, I wrapped up a couple of, oh, probably a month and a half ago, um, I found it was much easier to do a large miter not, not to that scale, but to a, to a larger miter because you can actually use a hand plane to really fine tune them. Sure. Uh, so like, you know, on a, on a big, big piece, you know, those ones were eight inches by three and a half inches thick, uh, was my stock size and cutting a two 22 and a half degree angle on that. Uh, the angle was fine. It was the deflection in the miter saw blade that caused me issues. Uh, hmm. You know, even just just with that big of stock, uh, even making a cut and then coming back to making a thin kerf didn't work well. It just, it twisted and deflected and stuff. So I found that it was a lot easier to, to fine tune that type of miter with a, a low angle jack plane. And you just really flatten it out and made it, it made it work really well. Uh, picture frame. I freaking hate playing mitered picture frames. My wife had me make a couple of them probably two years ago dumbest mm. thing in the world i won't tell her that she doesn't listen to podcasts so i don't mind saying it but i almost vomited when she asked me to make them because uh, <laughs> yeah i just suck like there's i don't know i just not a fan
2: she's right behind you <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I
0: did that too i had uh, uh my sister-in-law asked me to make a large frame that was mitered, and I've figured out that the best way to make large picture, mitered picture frames is to biscuit it so that the joint yeah. stays tight, and then paint it so that you can fill any gaps. <laughs> yeah, well, I recommend uh, I... I recommend General Finishes Lamp Black Milk Paint for that because mm-hmm. just it's
2: like
1: really a black hole with a paintbrush. Right. Yeah. No, that's what I did with the, the poker table ones is I, I pinned them with uh, all thread like four inch long all thread pins and just epoxied it. I'm like, ain't never gonna open up now. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I hate miners. But no, it's funny because I was so I I was in the shop this morning briefly after dropping my kids off at daycare. Uh, and this topic pops in my head because I'm in our shop, okay, picking up thing, picking up something that I will show you guys in a little bit. But I was doing something and it's a, it's a twofold, twofold response to what grinds my chisels. Uh, <laughs> the first is exotic woods, okay? Now, I'm saying exotic woods for all of our listeners that are in the U.S. Uh, uh, You know, some of our listeners may not be in the U.S. They may be domestic woods, and I'm sorry. I apologize. But I was ripping some thin strips off of some wenge, some paduke, and some red heart. Freaking splinters. Oh my god. Like, just that dense, tropical wood. They're like, they're nasty. They're bad. I just I mean I love I love them and I don't mind working with them, but just the splitters off of them is ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. They're like poison tipped.
1: Oh my yeah, god. They're... Like I have a couple of my fingers that I just haven't brought myself to dig out because I don't want my wife to see me cry. Like they're they're bad. <laughs> and this is like, a safe place. Oh. Yeah. So it's like it was like, oh my gosh. Um so that's that's the first thing that grinds my chisels is. Splinters, especially off of exotic woods. Now, the second is, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I feel like I am about as uh, American as you can get, as far as I love America, right? Okay? And there's some stuff we do wrong here in the U.S., but for the most part, I love America as a country. Now, I'm not bringing politics into this at all. Uh, However, one of the stupid things that we do in the US is we use the imperial measurement system. Okay? Oh, you did Yep. It. I'm, I'm, Here we go. I'm saying it. So the stock, the stock I was ripping this morning was uh it needed to be seven millimeters by seven millimeters by two hundred and fifty millimeters. Okay. Now some people may know what I was ripping, and I'll show you in a little bit. Uh but I looked what all over in our shop for a metric measurement tool. Okay, <laughs> there was one, just one ruler to be found that had uh, it was a Bridge City one. It. it had an imperial on one side, metric on the other. Now, I,
0: did Mark have it? I,
1: <laughs> he did have it, but I don't think he was using it. Uh, but I do want to get your guys' opinion on this because I think it's interesting. Uh, because anybody that's looked at the, the the metric system which I think everybody's familiar with it it's a very very simple system right mm-hmm. you have everything is a, a dropping ten, right so it's like 10 millimeters to a centimeter it, it's just it just everything makes sense when you think about mm-hmm. it uh, the imperial system that we use in this country and there are a few other countries that use the imperial system, and it makes no sense. Like, let's divide an inch into four, and then let's divide those four into two. You, know, you know? We have an eight, eighth inch. Like, It doesn't that make sense. So, if there is ever a politician that their campaign uh, slogan is I'm going to bring us to the metric system, they
2: get my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Phil, you probably remember this. Was it in the eighties when we were in school they tried to switch to the metric system and they were teaching us the metric system and oh, then yeah. just event I think eventually they should abandon it because just I don't know Pig-heading takes too them. much, it's too hard to switch right because we already have all of our stuff is Imperial it's, and
0: it's twelve it is, bushels it is, to the hogshead, and that's good enough for me.
2: yep.
1: But do you guys agree that it's an easier system? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you learn it from the get go, it's easier. And then it's just we've gotten in this far and we're stuck. (laughs) We're in too deep. Yeah. You can't turn it around.
0: Got to go around the horn. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: It's it's ridiculous. Like, I I don't know. I'm, that's my, that's what grinds my chisels.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another thing, not wordworking related. I'm sitting here because there's one buzzing around me. I have my bug assault, salt shotgun sitting here.
2: <laughs> is that street legal?
1: It, it is. It is.
2: There is. I
1: hate wasps. Okay. I don't mind bugs. I'm not one to go out of my way to kill anything just to kill it. Like I'm an avid outdoorsman, conservationist. I will not kill spiders that are living in my house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Doesn't they don't bother me. Wasps serve no purpose in this world. So everyone that flies around, it gets salt shotgun. So <laughs> that's another thing that grinds my chisels. Okay. From a standpoint. <laughs> All right. It's
2: Today fair. Today was the
0: day of grievance, grievances. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, it's a safe place here on the shop yeah. podcast, Except unless you're a wasp. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. Mm. Cause I read an article not too long ago, uh, on understanding wasps and the different Mm. kinds of them. And I thought it was actually pretty interesting.
2: Oh, they're just misunderstood. No, they're not, they're dumb. You know what though? like, is a cicada killer, is that a wasp? Yes. Like they're huge and like scary, but they don't ever seem to like bother anybody. I mean, other than cicadas.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, but but what does the first cicada do to that wasp?
2: Right i don't know they're kind of loud uh, and annoying they look delicious yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's um, true
1: the,
0: you I know think the is... ones that i like i like the uh mud dauber wasps with the real like thin section before you get to the
2: mm-hmm. fat Keep back talking. End. you
0: know it's just yeah it just looks like <laughs> 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 it just looks like it's made out of tinker toys <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Your dad is going to make another call. Yeah,
2: I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble.
1: <laughs> oh, Mr. Doyle, I am so sorry about your son. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll just put myself on mute for, like, ten minutes. I'm in the penalty box. <laughs>
1: oh. All right, um, Bill, what grinds your chisels besides miters?
0: Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm going to preface this by the fact that... Uh, My mother is a devout contrarian and I take after my mom's side of the family. So I have a very strong contrarian streak in me. And that might also be the fact that I'm part of Gen X, which, uh, which I think was supposed to be contrarian right from birth. And we disagreed with that as a group. So Mm -hmm. um, mine is, uh, the parts of woodworking or the woodworking community that tend to put the threshold on what exactly real woodworking
1: is, mm-hmm. so yeah. much so
0: that um, you know that if if you use biscuits or pocket screws or power tools or whatever, then you're some kind of uh, infidel or something. yeah and uh you know and i i encountered this even when i started at woodsmith was and i think the part that just kind of mystified me was you know i understand that in explaining something we need to have some sort of standard or baseline to go off of but i felt like a lot of the projects and instructions that we gave It was like, if you can't do it on the table saw, it's not worth doing or explaining. (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, or you can't, you know, the only way that it can be done accurately is to show it on the table saw. So we'd make a, you know, let's say the bottom of a bench or something like that. And a lot of times those had to be notched in the corners to wrap around legs. You know, we'll show it on the table saw with a, you know, 18 inch high auxiliary fence on your miter gauge. And you got to make two cuts, and one of them is holding this, you know, 18 by 36 inch piece vertically. You know, and it's like, this is your accurate cut. And it's like, "Uh, that's not really the best way to cut that because we won't show cutting it on a bandsaw or with two cuts with a handsaw or something mm-hmm. like that because if you're doing it with a handsaw you might as well just be bashing it apart with a rock or something
1: <laughs> like that. So Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because not bashing it apart with a rock, but it's like I agree with you in the sense that and I I see this in some people uh in in the woodworking community that um there there's two trains of thought when it comes to doing a sort of work is there's the way you should do it, right? There's those types of people like, no, the table saw is the best way to do that. Or, um, you know, in the turning world, uh, there's guys that say, no, you should not use carbide scrapers because they're scraping. They're not cutting that's wrong. But then there's the other group of people that say, you know what? I don't really care. How you get from point A to point B, as long as you do it safe, mm-hmm. it's the result. Right? So it's like, yeah. you know, in your example of cutting a notch in the core of a panel, I don't, I, I follow in that second group where I'm like, I don't care how you, I don't care if you do it on the table saw. I don't care if you do it on the band saw. I don't care if you do it with a hand saw or a coping saw. You know, as long as it looks good, great. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be a yeah. most efficient way them that are, I just have always, I'm, I'm result in whatever gives you a good result. I don't care how you get there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, woodworking as a hobby is more of a journey than a destination. You don't just show up day one with all the tools and all the knowledge and all the techniques to, to do it the best way or to be a master craftsman. So it's like, if you can screw two boards together and it's make something useful for yourself that's woodworking and then you have different levels of craftsmanship and and that type of thing so it's like yeah if you can if you can meet your standards or make something useful out of wood you're a woodworker and then learn from there i guess so yeah there's all types
0: yeah and choose your path too like if you're content with the way that you're doing it then You know, develop your skills to do that to the best of its ability, you know, Mm because, I mean, you can do traditional hand cut mortise and tenon joinery and look like you used fireworks to excavate a mortise and (laughs) it goes together and look awful. But, I mean, you can have two pieces that are pocket screwed together and look awful, too. You know, it's Mm -hmm. there is a level of skill involved in using any kind of tool to get you know, competent results too. I also don't like the idea that um, one has to or should stay at some kind of a beginner level either and just be like, that's all you get out of it. You know, like, right. take the time to learn and and grow.
1: Yeah. Well, and I also don't agree that there are, uh, I don't agree that there are let me rephrase that. I believe that there are projects that we we would consider beginner, intermediate, and advanced projects. But I don't think that should ever stop somebody from grabbing a project that's out of their skill set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like right. You you keep you keep the together birdhouses with butt joints and screws. That's pretty much where your woodworking is going to go. I mean, expanding your Uh, your reach and stretching your skills, I think, is as important as anything. Like, hey, yeah, tackle that project that is uh, outside your comfort zone or tackle that project that's going to give you or teach you the skills to become a better woodworker. Because you know what? You're going to get done with that project as a better woodworker than you began it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that stems from just my own, you know, like when I started, uh, I'll admit I wasn't that knowledgeable of a woodworker. I had more of a writing background than I did woodworking. I loved the craft, but I hadn't had a chance to practice it in a dedicated way for as long as some of the other people on staff. And, um, and so I, I'll admit to feeling a little imposter syndrome on the fact that I, you know, wasn't a real woodworker. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't like people throwing obstacles in other people's way because you're not using the right terminology or, you know, you don't drill seat holes in a chair with a brace and bit and you use a jig on the drill press or, you know, whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's fair. You know once I discovered Gren's spil's chisel exclamation.
2: <laughs> oh, here we go! punctuation
1: <laughs> uh, For our discussion today, you knew it was coming. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're coming up up. it End
0: out. End of the issue for the magazine, and I get to be the last one in line for reading articles and. <laughs> For the most part, I've turned into someone who knows that English is a growing, evolving language, and to be prescriptionist on it is a little, little too rigid. But that being said, I, I feel like the quota for an article for exclamation points is
1: one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You get one, okay. you use
0: it wisely.
1: Okay. So, so, so what's the second hierarchy in an excited statement? What's that? Like, like, hey, so so I write an article that has, a, that I'm super excited about two sentences. I want to emphasize them, right? Right. I get one exclamation point. What do I do with my second one that I need to emphasize the sentence?
2: Mix in an interrobang uh, or something, you know? There you go.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you write it in such a way that that sentence is super strong. I'm going to go and with the John Sprout and all caps it.
2: <laughs> yeah, all caps. <laughs>
0: for a while, uh, it, this was before I was at Woodsmith, both Woodsmith and Shop Notes allowed the selective italization
1: of mm. words
0: for emphasis.
1: Sure, yeah, I can see that. I, I I used to do that quite a lot. Uh, I haven't done that in a number of years, but I when I used to write stuff, I would italicize as well. Um, yeah. Stuff. So, I don't know.
0: I think you could set it off with an M dash. That would be legit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Okay. I'm going to go, like, red font or something.
2: Okay. There
1: you like, go. I don't. I don't think, I don't think our creative art team would uh, have an issue with that.
2: (laughs) Use magenta. Yeah. Yeah. 100% magenta. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I found that I use ellipses a lot. Is that the plural for ellipse? Yeah. Ellipses. Yeah. I don't know. That's my thing.
1: I, I don't
2: know. So I just, just, my you, wife
1: does that too, but I think that's always her saying, "What the heck are you doing?"
2: Mm-hmm. I think I just do it for comedic timing, right? <laughs> like I, wait uh, for
1: it.
0: Some of my writing for a few years, I tried to tried to force in the proper use of the semicolon.
1: Oh sure, and it sure. just mm-hmm.
0: that uh, that had people just. Totally flipped upside down. They didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> but you just keep at it because eventually they're just going to be like, fine, whatever. It just. All right. I'm going to keep going with
1: my exclamation points. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> let, let the
2: peacock fly, I say. Yep. Keep pounding them down Phil's throat and he'll eventually get in. And... Yeah,
0: just be like, oh, whatever. Just... just let it go. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's too late in the issue.
1: Oh, uh, all right. So, what are you guys working on? I we we finished up what last week was that last week we were finishing up was on the TV show or was that two weeks ago? It was two weeks. Two, two weeks, weeks ago. Weeks. I, yeah, I had a week of vacation in there. So, what are you guys
2: working yeah. on? Well, I finished up my box joint jig. It's ready to go.
0: Yeah, right. baby.
2: Shop notes. What sixty two? Is that from? Yeah, I think so. With with more fences to be added. And so maybe we'll try that out next week when we're building our toolbox. Yeah. We'll see. I think what I
0: like about that one is that it's it's adjustable without being like in a modular way. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of box joint jigs have some kind of adjustable key and sliding system. And it just ends up being... A little too clumsy, and
2: yeah, it's nice. It's just you know you got your typical fence, and then little adjustment screw added on the end that you can you know nothing overly complicated. It's got inserts that you can change in and out once the the fence gets too chewed up, and so yeah, I like it. It's simple but effective. Yeah.
0: Because I think, you so, know, people, you know, whether it's a shop-made one, and we've done shop-made ones that are infinitely adjustable, and then there's a bunch of commercial ones. Right. And at the risk of sounding like a commercial, the that Shop Notes one is nice because, you know, let's be honest, most of the time you're going to be cutting box joints in a small range of sizes. Right. Probably quarter inch most of the time. And... Maybe half inch if you wanted to go big and crazy,
2: right? Yep. So, so. if
0: that's the case, then just make it so that you can just flip flop between the quarter inch and half inch and, and move on from there. Yep.
1: So unless you're, unless you're a beekeeper, I'm repping my bee shirt today and then you need to make yeah. big old one and a half inch finger joints for nice uh, <laughs> box joints. Yeah. <laughs> They're box joints at that point, right?
2: So, for do you guys. do those on the table saw? Or Do you use that finger joint jig when you make when you're making your uh, bee boxes? Well,
1: I do. So, I actually don't do finger joints for box joints. Uh-huh. So my my progression of beekeeper was dovetails. So, I did a dovetail hive, and that was a terrible idea. I mean, had some forever. I mean, yeah. I did 16 boxes that were all dovetailed together. It just it was a oh, terrible idea. So the next year, I got smarter, and I said, I'm not going to do dovetails. I'm going to do box joints, finger joints, right? Mm -hmm. So I did it on a Saturday in the shop at the magazine, so nobody would see me doing this. But I clamped, like, 13 fronts together and (laughs) them all through the data plate at once. Like, it was amazing. It worked terribly. It was not very good. So now I'm I'm actually to uh I've started to take the advice of our State Arbor or our State Arborist, our State um, apiary, uh, who comes out to do like hide inspections and stuff. And he, I mean, Arvin's been doing it for sixteen years. I mean the guys in his mid eighties now. Uh, but he uh he has always built his beehives just using rabbits and screws. So that's what I do too. I don't I'm not worried about it. I do I do medium boxes, so I don't get real big bees super like 70 or 80 pounds they're only you know 35 40 pounds at most so, so like without a bunch of them in a very short period of time
2: so your woodworking progression you started out with dovetails then to box joints and then to pocket screws so, <laughs> for my
1: behind yes yeah. that's what i'm saying john
2: <laughs> okay it's like dev- bear. devolution
1: yeah 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 but, no, there was there was somebody that came out with a uh, like a, a bee box joint jig, a beehive box joint. Was that Lee Valley or Rockler? So, or somebody came out. Lee, was it Lee Valley? No, Lee L-E-I-G-H. Lee. Yeah, yeah, Lee jig. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. So, mm. yeah. Yep.
0: But, did you ever try that one? Because I know we had it in the office for a while. Nope, I did not.
1: Should have. But I didn't. Mm. Okay. Then. So, my, my little project I was working on today, so I ordered a new tool a couple of weeks ago and it's actually been in our video studio. Uh, so I was cutting these strips this morning to use in this thing uh, for everybody that can read uh, I don't know if that's main or characters what they are, uh, but it is the Chopstick Master from Bridge City Tools. So, hey, Bridge City had a uh, sale a couple of weeks ago where the was, was a pretty good price. And I thought, you know, this is a great, fairly inexpensive way for me to make a bunch of Christmas gifts, right? So I'll make everybody, you know, a bunch of sets of chocolates So I ordered it, showed up, and I dropped it in our video studio. And I, I if I told my wife that I ordered it that long ago and didn't, Open it and use it. She wouldn't believe me because I'm the type of guy. If I order some, if I buy something, I'm opening it in the truck as I get into the parking lot. <laughs> I, so I grabbed it and cut some scraps of um, some Wenge Purple Heart Duke that we had, or uh, Wenge Red Heart Duke that we had in the shop. Um, and I I used it for the first time. So this is the actual jig. pretty bit, is watching our video uh, on YouTube. So this is this a is- jig. Okay, like a track, and it comes with a plane uh, that has a little writing system. It basically sits in there, and there's a bunch of different adjustments. Uh, super, It's actually really easy to use. Um, it looks very complicated when you get out of the box. It's super easy to use. Uh, and I made these guys. These are super cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So I made a pair of Wangate, and uh, I think this is Red Heart uh, chopsticks, and it creates the taper and... It, they're kind of cool. So they're they're square, square profile. And it tapers them down from 7 millimeters down to, uh, this is the bigger version. So this is, uh, I think, like 5 millimeters at this end. But then it also cuts the tips into a hot I don't know if that will pick up very well or not. Uh, but it, it's, it's really cool. I, I handed one to my wife when I finished uh, the set of them uh this morning and she's like wow these are actually like super ergonomic because the the square square profile fits in your hand nicely but then the round tips or the octagon tips doesn't really matter what orientation you're in you can still pick stuff up so super cool i'm super excited to make of chopsticks with this i think i'm gonna try to do some stuff on video edition even you can cut little finials on the end there little diamond Mm -hmm. nails very nice yeah, so this was this was fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around with this a little bit more, see if I can make some more of these guys. Um, I might make some... Uh, these are what they call the uh, Chinese-style chopsticks, so they're they're pretty fat on the ends still. I guess um, the other style that I only know is from reading the book in here. Uh, the Japanese-style tapers down much thinner, so the Japanese-style goes to about half its thick on the end. So I might try some of those, too. But, yeah, it was kind of fun. I'm uh, pretty excited about that guy. Um, cool. Now I have, well,
0: I'm glad it worked out because I gotta tell you that when I first saw that it it totally looks like something you'd see on an infomercial.
1: It always does, completely. Well, and what's funny is when Bridge City Toolworks came out with this. and I might be incorrect about this, but I'm pretty sure this little block plate, and anybody that doesn't know Bridge City Tool Works, uh, they're very expensive they have some very highly engineered stuff is like cnc aluminum and it's all very well engineered but this little block plane that comes with it uh if i remember right was like three hundred dollars by itself but you could buy the kit with the chopstick master for like 270 i mean it was like it was cheaper to buy the kit than it was by the plane so uh but yeah it's very cool i i think uh when I get in there for video edition, I think you guys should mess around with it and see, cause it's, it's pretty fun. So yeah. And then, uh, so this last weekend too, uh, I went over and I, 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 I just had, I just had some sort It's brethren Um, uh, I went over and had, I had a guy contact me and said, Hey, uh, I know you have a sawmill. I'm interested in having you come out and saw a white oak log that's in my backyard. Okay, no problem. So I kind of gave him my whole spiel on, on pricing and stuff. And being a yard tree, I know there's probably going to be some form of metal in it, right? Uh, so I got this guy's day, uh, house. Um, the guy's name is uh, I think it's I think it's pronounced Lebierre, uh, Africa originally. Uh, now lives in uh, Des Moines with his wife uh, and kids. Uh, super nice guy. The white oak tree came down uh, a couple of years ago, um, five, six, seven years ago, and the outside uh, was starting to rot pretty bad, which is how long it's been down. Which white oak doesn't have to stick, right? Uh, so, anyway, long story short, we we spent the day slabbing up this tree. I went through four blades total because of how much metal was in there, but. You guys know I, my wife and I do this thing called intermittent fasting, okay? uh, Where where we don't really eat uh, from, uh, we only eat between the hours of three p.m. to seven p.m. Okay, and part of part of that is when you're out in the heat and you're drinking lots of water, as I was. Uh, sometimes your body can tell you that you don't want that water anymore very quickly. <laughs> so cutting this vlog, and it was a this was last Friday. It was a thousand degrees out. Yeah. Uh, and we, he was talking to me. I'm like, excuse me one minute while I walk to the back of your lot and empty out all that water that I just drank. And he's like, oh, man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I haven't eaten anything, and I just drink way too much water way too fast. So needless to say, that was rather embarrassing, and now I'm sharing it with all 20 people that listen to our podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. They won't <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs> no.
1: So, but it was awesome that, that I mean, I will say. It, this is a weird. It's a weird trade-off as you're sawing yard trees uh, because that that white oak, it was, I mean, it was beautiful. It was 36 inches in diameter. It was huge. Um, I mean, not huge, but it was big. It was heavy, uh, and it produced some very nice lumber. But at what point do you say uncle and you stop throwing? Thirty dollar bandsaw blades at it, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I think I don't, I didn't even count how many nails we hit. It had to have been over twenty. I mean, oh, yeah. it had to have been over twenty. Yeah, and we just got to a point where it's like, well, you know what? This is our last blade. Let's just keep pushing it. And it was, it was not good. My friends at Norwood would not be happy if they saw me pushing the mill like I was with that blade in it. It was basically like trying to cut with a rubber band at that point. Uh, but it's like, you know, there has to be a trade off somewhere. I just haven't figured out where that is. It's like where you just throw in the towel and say, no, I'm not going to cut that tree. You know, <laughs> I know
0: a bunch of people won't even cut a yard tree because of that.
1: Uh, yeah. And that's, that's true. A lot of professional sawyers will not, they will They say, no, I'm not going to, I don't want yard trees because there's going to be some, some form of metal in it, whether it was a, you know, a for sale sign or a, a treehouse step ladder at some point, something like that. Um, you know, somewhere there's going to be metal on that tree. Uh, however, it's kind of a weird thing when somebody's paying you to come to their yard and cut a tree for them. And they know, they, they know upfront, Hey, as soon as we hit metal, that's a $25 blade. And I do always tell them, Hey, look, you know, we've hit, we've hit, we've hit metal. The blade's still cutting. Okay. But your, your board may be a little wavy now. Um, uh, do you want me to switch my blade out or do you want me to keep cutting with this blade knowing that we might hit more, but your boards are going to be a little bit lower quality because of it? Uh, so I guess at that point, I always leave it in their hands. Uh, but man, it's just, it's sad when you get a box of 10 blades that is, you know, 250, 300 bucks for the box and four of those go away in one tree. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah
0: you know Mm -hmm. bill what
1: are you working on
0: well i'm still finishing up my shoulder plane which i have uh, the i have a plywood wedge in it right now because i'm trying to trying to dial in what the the size of it and you know what the angle of the taper is supposed to be for it to wedge into place and (laughs) I've realized, and I even did it earlier, because earlier this week, I finally pinned the infill pieces into the body and sanded it all smooth. You know, and for the most part, I'm really happy with how that turned out. Um, that went pretty well. I think my the blade, the rear infill piece kind of shifted, cocked up a little bit when I was pinning it in place. So now I don't have... The perfectly flat bed that I had when I was mocking it up. So I'm trying to, you know, and it, you know, that inside, in between the two sides, is just under a half inch wide. So trying to chase down inconsistencies in there to get a, a flat, level bed is now that much harder. You know, trying to, you know, and then do you use chisels? Are you using? Files, you know, and then files taper, so you're trying to just, you know, figure out exactly where you need to remove material and how much you should remove, and visibility is kind of tight. And then, um, so I think I have it reasonable now. When I get the, when I put my, when I put the wedge in there, I get the blade pretty tight, so that part's nice. And now it's just trying to figure out the ergonomics of what I want that back wedge shape to be so that I can when I'm using it, it's going to feel comfortable and not get in the way. So Anyway, it's been pretty exciting to do it and I'm ready to actually have it in use. So to see it at this point where it's almost complete is pretty fun.
1: Yeah. So are you going to leave it, uh, you leave it all shiny like that or are you going to age it or are you going to catch
0: brine or what uh i'm not sure i only sanded it to 220 which left it pretty shiny but even in just a few days that after i sanded it it's kind of it's gotten a lot duller or more satin or whatever i'm probably gonna age it but i'm not sure how far because i mean you can let it keep applying the antiquing solution and get it to be almost a like a dull steel color. And I don't know that I want to go with that, but there's no way I want to try and keep it shiny. Cause that's just it's a recipe efficient. for disaster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, after watching you do that, that might be one of my next planes is a fill, um, shoulder plane like that. Um, cause I, I mean, I have a rabbit shoulder plane, right? A rabbit. Yeah. Like a rabbiting block plane uh right. that i can use a shoulder plane but something narrow like that would be nice for hitting dados and stuff so i might uh might take a note out of your book and work on one of those
0: yeah it was i mean i had tons of fun doing it and i learned a lot about being careful and you know so it's a definitely a learning experience and i'm really liking how it's turning out the shape of it and uh there's kind of a shop built adjuster on it for advancing and retracting the blade. So in that sense, it'll be, it'll be kind of nice to have it done and ready to use. And then this one, the blade is like 11 16 wide. So I could drop it into a three quarter inch rabbit or not a rabbit into a dado or a groove and it not bind in there, you know, so I could yeah. adjust the size of it, even for like three quarter inch plywood, be able to still um, put it to use there. Because I have a Stanley shoulder plane that's exactly three quarter of an inch, and I love using it. It, you know, comes in handy for a lot of stuff, but um, it's just I just like making my own tools. It's cool.
1: You know, I think it's one of the very few hand tools I've ever seen John pick up it. But yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, uh, I don't know that I—I I mean, like even a chisel, I don't know if I've seen John pick up a chisel.
2: I've used them to open paint cans and right, <laughs> clean up glue.
1: Yeah. But I see him use a shoulder plane all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So maybe there's something there. Maybe I need to make one.
2: Yeah, or a tap. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, the chisel he uses to scrape off all the glue from the underside of the bench.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has. <laughs> There with his fingers.
0: Yeah, the animals. <laughs> <laughs> the glue stalactites on there.
2: Yeah. yeah I don't know. I've, I've since I've been working at home in my own shop. I've cleaned up my block plane and my sharpened all my chisels and nice. you know been using them a little bit more. So I'm getting there. It's a, it's a journey.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sounds okay. good. Yep. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have anything that grinds your chisels, we'd love to hear about it. You can send us an email. It's woodsmith at woodsmith.com. You can also check out the show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcast also wherever you get your podcasts from your local podcastery please feel free to give us a good review and a five-star rating if it's appropriate so we'll see you again next time for the shop notes podcast
1: this episode of the shop notes podcast is brought to you by woodsmith plans you'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build from furniture projects to gift projects kitchen accessories workshop projects, and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.